It's that time. Welcome to the Time to Man Up podcast. And here's your host, Sean Hess. Hey guys, it's that time. It's time for the Time to Man Up podcast. In this episode, we are going to be jumping back into the importance of men taking a stand for God. Taking a stand for God is seldom easy, but we need more men who are willing to do it rather than just talk about it. Men, can I get a little political for a minute? Probably not in the way that you might think I'm getting political, but there are a lot of politicians out there that say a lot of great things, but they never follow through on what they say. They say what it takes to get the votes. They say what it takes to get the financial support. They say what it takes to get the likes, the clicks, the follows. But then what? Nothing. They're just meaningless words that get the people excited only to be let down when they don't step up and do the things that they have said that they would do. This episode is crucial to our success when it comes to men taking a stand for God. That means men who are willing to say things, but then back it up with action. And it is so important that we as men take those stands. Guys, we need to not be just talking the talk, but actually backing it up with our actions. There are a lot of men out there who have a lot to say, but they fail to take any action. I mean, right? They talk the game. What I've learned in life is this. The people that have the game usually don't need to talk the game, but it's the people that usually don't back it up that they're the ones out there saying everything. They're making all the promises. They're talking big and bad and they don't back it up. You see, there are people that talk big, but when the time comes to stand, what we find is they retreat to the back. And nobody wants to be out in front. Nobody wants to be living out through actions what they have said. We need men who will take a stand for what is right. And men, we need men who are willing to not back down, no matter how difficult it gets in life. We have learned how to stand courageous from the life of David when he stood against Goliath. We have learned how to stand up in life like Esther stood up. But guys, when we stand up for God, it puts us in a place of conflict with others. And so when we walk through these things that we've learned, like standing courageously and standing up, what we're going to learn is that what we are going to talk about today is crucial, significant, so important to being successful in all of the other areas. We also learn from Joshua, right? The importance of standing firm, standing firm for what you believed, standing firm for God. And guys, what we know is this, when we stand firm for God, it can alienate us from other people, even other believers. I learned early that it doesn't really matter what people think about you men. They are going to form their own opinions of you. And often they miss the mark with their conclusions. You will hear me say often that 
Perception is reality in the heart of the perceiver, but that doesn't make it truth. Guys, here's what really matters. What matters is what does God think about me? What does God think about you? Because God knows who we are and he knows our motivation for what we do. Guys, I've never been in this for man's approval. Maybe that was part of the problem in ministry, right? For 32 years in the ministry, I wasn't in it for man's approval. I was in it for doing what was right in the eyes of the Lord and whatever came with that, it came with that. And I want to tell you this, a pastor that is willing to stand up and do the things that are right in the eyes of God, which means confront sin, confront error in the church, they're not always going to be very liked. And it's not necessarily the quickest way to grow a church. What we find is that the quickest way to grow a church is to tickle the ears of the people, to keep feeding them milk and never give them more, never confront the wrong. But we just continue to give them exactly what they want. Guys, I don't care what man wants. We need to be more concerned about what God wants because, man, as, as leaders, as pastors, we stand before God and we will answer for those who have been placed under our leadership. Each man must take a stand no matter what others think about them. That's the reality of it, and it's not easy. But here is the secret to being successful. If you want to stand up, if you want to stand out, if you want to stand firm, if you want to stand courageous, the secret is this. We men need to stand together for God. The church needs to stand together for God. The family needs to stand together for God. And we could take it all the way up to the nation. The United States needs to stand up together for God. The problem in the world that we live in, in the country that we live in now, is standing for God is more of a minority stance. And it's getting less and less each and every day as the church continues to give in to the things of the world, to cater to them all that so they can feel welcome in the church. Well, let me tell you this. If we are doing the right things as the church, sin will not feel welcome there. People living in it will not feel welcome there because we will call it what it is. Guys, I need to surround myself with other men who are willing to take a stand for God. And I need to be that man for other men when they need me. We have all watched a man who has struggled to take a stand. And rather than ridiculing them, uh, we need to step up and encourage them. For this example, we are going to turn to a very familiar story in the third chapter, third chapter of Daniel. And in the third chapter of Daniel, it talks about three guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These guys were brave men, brave young men who were willing to take a stand for God, but standing together gave them strength to do it. 
But before we begin this, let me ask you a question. Right now, some of you find yourselves facing difficult times. And then there are some of you that are listening to this episode and you are on cruise control. I want to tell you this. There are three places, one of three places that every man will find themselves. You are either coming out of a hard time or you are in the middle of a hard time or you are going into a hard time because hard times are part of life. Now, depending on where you are coming out of, in the middle of, or going into, will depend, will determine what type of men you need around yourselves. You see, if we get a bunch of people that are in the middle of hard times, we're just going to be worn down, right? We need some people that have come out on the other side and they can encourage us. And listen, when you're out on the other side, it doesn't mean you can just be done with it. Because at some point you're going to end up in the middle again, but you need to make sure to help those that are in the process of going through. Some of you thought that life would be easy when you accepted Jesus as your savior. Can I just say this? Surprise, right? I mean, it shouldn't fool any of us. I can't stand when believers will tell non-believers, you know what? If you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, life is gonna be amazing. It's going to be great. No, when you accept Jesus Christ as your savior, you enter the battlefield because all of a sudden you have the enemy's attention. And when you were not a believer, he could have cared less because you were on the same path he was. But the minute you stand out that you make that decision, you separate yourself. Remember, Jesus said, the world hated him first. And if you follow him, that means the world's going to hate you. Jesus definitely did not teach that following him was easy. Guys, you're going to have difficult times and you can expect them, but you can also overcome them, right? Through Jesus Christ, we have the victory. So here's the question. Men, where are you right now? Are you coming out of a hard time? Are you in the middle of a hard time? Or are you just starting to move into a hard time in your life? Like I said before, wherever your answer falls to that question will determine what men you need around yourself. So the story found in Daniel chapter three that we're going to be looking at, the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fiery furnace, we are going to learn some very important lessons in that story. As we make our through, I want you to consider this. What are the fires in your life? What are the decisions that you have to make that come with challenging consequences? One book that I have found very helpful over my years of ministry, and even in my life, is Ron Sussex's book, called Firestorm. I am always amazed how quickly a situation can go from being a little spark to a five alarm fire. I mean, things can get out of control so quickly when it comes to the church, when it comes to your marriage, when it comes to your family, your workplace, or even that relationship with your neighbors. It is amazing how quickly 
that spark, that single spark, that single event can all of a sudden blow up and ignite everything. And sometimes you find yourself, men, dealing with multiple fires at the same time. It can be downright overwhelming. Perhaps you have tried everything you can to put out the fires and you just cannot stop it. Men, what do you do when you are in the middle of a fire? How do you stand in the midst of the fire? You see, standing together in the fire strengthens us. It helps us keep the faith that we need to make it through to the other side. How has your faith been impacted by fires in your life? Our faith is often tested in the fires. Nowhere is it tested more than when we are standing right in the middle of the fire. When the heat is at its greatest, that is when our faith is revealed. It is tested. We never come out of the other side the same person, right? When we go through those fires, when we go through those trials and those tribulations, men, we never come out the same person. So as our faith is tested, we find that it can be trusted. We find that God's provisions in the midst of the fire give us a greater trust in him and also a greater dependency on him. And so men, you need to know where is your faith? Is your faith in yourself? Is your faith in God? Maybe a little 50-50, 60-40, whatever it is. But fire exposes your faith for what it really is. You see, there are a lot of men out there that talk the game. You know, they talk big and bad when it comes to faith, and they talk about how great their faith is. But the minute the fire comes, they're thrown into the fiery furnace, and the trials and tribulations come, all of a sudden that fire exposes their faith for what it really is or what it's really not. But God's presence will be evident in the midst of the fire, even if you fail to see it. Even when you don't see it, even when you begin to retreat, God's faithfulness is always there, and it's always the same. In Daniel chapter 3, King Nebuchadnezzar decides to make a giant golden statue of himself. I mean, men, can you say ego? I mean, can you, so this statue, check this out, guys. It was 60 cubits by 6 cubits, so 60 cubits tall six cubits wide. And what we know from the book of Esther and what we know from the story of David is that a cubit was a foot and a half. So one and a half feet was a cubit. And so this statue would have been 90 feet high and nine feet wide. I mean, that is one self-portrait statue, right? That is a massive statue that people would have been able to see all over the town. So the kings gathered everyone together for the dedication of his golden image, right? They come together and they're going to celebrate this. When everyone arrives and they are standing before the image, the king takes it to a whole nother step when it comes to his ego, because he is going to call people to worship himself. In Daniel 3 verses 4 through 5, it says, and their herald proclaimed aloud, you are commanded, O peoples, 
nations, and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, I mean, check that out. They haven't got a bagpipe going on here. And every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. You are to bow down to King Nebuchadnezzar, his image. I mean, King Nebi's ego, man, he's on a big ego trip. And there are no religious exemptions for anyone involved in this. It's interesting because even in our world, there was a time when even if people believe something, the church had the right to still stand for what it believed. And more and more, the world is trying to get the church to cave in. And sadly enough, in too many situations, the church is willingly laying themselves down for it. They're giving in to the pressures of the world. It's interesting because when we look at this situation, there are severe consequences for anyone who chooses not to fall down and worship the image. In verse six, it says, and whoever does not fall down and worship shall immediately be cast into a burning fiery furnace. Now guys, it's not, you don't get like a night in jail, you know, or a week in jail or a fine. Uh, you get thrown into a burning fiery furnace. We would all agree, men, that's pretty harsh. Can you imagine you that have kids that are in high school and they drive? Can you imagine saying, hey, Junior, uh, you need to be home by 11. And if you are not home by 11, just so you know, we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. That would be a little extreme parenting, right? But here what is happening is this king is so much, his ego has been stroked by the people around him and he's believing it about himself that he's like, if you don't bow down to me, you are going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. If you don't worship me, you are going to be thrown into a fiery furnace. You can understand why everyone would fall on their knees when that music played, right? They would begin to worship the image once the instruments began to play because those were harsh consequences. Some of us may have even found ours. No, let me say this. Most of us would have found ourselves doing the same thing to avoid the consequences. We would have been like, you know what? I think God will overlook this one time because I don't think he wants us to be thrown into a fiery furnace. So we would try to find some justification not to do it. Guys, their choice was either to stroke the king's ego and worship him or face death by a fiery furnace. No matter what you did, there was sacrifice that was taking place, right? So it's easy uh, to, to take a stand when you have others who are willing to take a stand with you. Can you imagine having to take a stand when an entire group of people fell down and you remained standing? What if you were just one person? I mean, here we have Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and they are going to stand together. But the world that we live in, when you look at it, when the world says, oh, we need to kneel down during the national anthem instead of paying the respect, you know, and what happens is Christians are put in a place where are they going to cater to the things of the world or are they going to take a stand that God would have them to stand? What does that look like? I love that so many athletes in the LGBTQT plus everything that goes on, I can never even get the, the letters straight. And, and, and 
you know, it's kind of hard because I, I don't want to make fun of it and I don't want to laugh, but the reality is it's ridiculous. It was so much simpler when there was a man and a woman, and now we have complicated life like crazy because we want everything to fit what makes us feel better about ourselves rather than what is right. And so the world is going to continue to want us to cater, to bow down to what they do, and so there are going to be more and more times where we have to stand up. And standing up as individuals is much more difficult than standing together. When we look at the world that we live in, it's a lot like what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were dealing with when they had to decide, are we going to stand or are we going to kneel down, bow down like everyone else is doing? There were certain Chaldeans who went to the king to turn them in, hoping to rid themselves of these Israelites. You know, come on, guys. There are always those kind of guys, right? I don't care whether you're a kid or an adult. There's always those people that are looking to get somebody else in trouble. I remember in the ministry, I always knew the people that were waiting for me to say the wrong thing from the pulpit or do the right thing. And the the thing that probably drove them crazy is I didn't care. I didn't care because it didn't matter to me what they thought of me or what they thought was right or wrong, as long as I was within the parameters of what God said, then we were going to do those things. But there are people that just watch for you to fail. Now, that doesn't excuse people's right to just do nothing or to just skate by without any consequences. There are checks and balances that need to take place, whether that's in the church, whether that's in a business, whatever it is, there are those things that need to take place. I always said that as a pastor, I didn't want yes men around me. I wanted people that would tell me the truth, hoping that that would keep me from making bad decisions along the way. Some people surround themselves with yes men or people that are like them and so that they can just do what they want to do sometimes. But there will always be those type of people that are always looking for you to step out of bounds or do something. And guys, I'm just telling you, I like to live outside the box. But that doesn't necessarily mean out of bounds or over the boundaries, the guardrails. But there are people that stress that these young men were disrespecting the king. They weren't falling down when the music played. These young men remained standing even knowing the consequences. In verse 13 of Daniel 3, it says, Then King Nebuchadnezzar, in furious rage, commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought So they brought these men before the king. He is ticked off. I mean, the king is furious rage. That's some strong words, right? I don't know if I've ever gotten to furious rage, Uh, but he's furious rage. Uh, You don't want him behind a wheel, right? Because it'd be like road rage. The king is going to set an example of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He's like, oh yeah, you think you guys, I got the say. He is going to show the people his power. It's interesting because it sounds a little like Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame. Now, I know that some of you may not fall the same place I do. Sorry, I'm a Reds fan. But I remember back when all that situation came to be, and I wish Pete Rose was repentant, and I wish he would just realize all he had to say is sorry, and things probably would have been a lot better. But then the other side of the equation was there were people that wanted 
others to know we have the power. And it doesn't matter what you think, we have the power. And that continued on. Now, I'm not going to get on that rabbit trail too long, but I just wanted you to see that there are kind of those things in life that we see where people have power. And even when they may make a somewhat wrong decision, they're not going to change. Men, sometimes you're like that. You make a wrong decision with your spouse, with your family, wherever it be, and you would die for that, even if it's the wrong decision. Men, how often do you take a stand for God? These young men were willing to take a stand, willing not to worship this image, knowing that the outcome wouldn't be very good for him. In verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? Now, I think it's interesting because, you know, when we read this first, it's like, is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship the golden image that I have set up? Uh, we make it like, he's like all like philosophical. and talk. Dude, this was like, is that true? I mean, he's like going off on him, right? He's like, he's ticked off. Furious rage doesn't like talk all calm. Furious rage is like going at it and he's angry and he is ready to just throw these boys in the fire. So we need to read the Bible with that same understanding. You see, our lives can be summarized by the same battles when it comes to standing for God. Are we going to serve a bunch of little G gods or are we going to serve the Lord God Almighty who is worthy of our praise? He doesn't need to ask for it. He doesn't need to demand it. He's worthy of it, the only one. But this is Satan putting God's people to the test. It's the same thing that we are seeing more and more in our country. Who are we going to worship? We had a series on sports and we talked about that. Sports gets crazy, all the stuff that's going on with travel stuff. It's all out there. But guys, that's not just sports. That's just a real relevant thing that we just see how crazy and busy life gets with that. But for some, it's just jobs. And people are putting in 60 hours a week at jobs and they're sacrificing time with God, church, and, and all these different things because they're placing the little G gods over the big G God, Yahweh. So we need to understand we need to be ready to take a stand together for God no matter what the consequences are because that's what Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were. They were willing to take a stand no matter the consequences. Too often, men, we want to know the consequences before we take a stand. So now here as we move further into Daniel chapter 3, I want to give you some areas of standing together that are important. And here's the first one. Standing together helps us obey God rather than following man. There is just this tight bond that when we stand together, when we stand unified, it makes us stronger. And so standing together helps us obey God rather than following man. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego respond to the king's second chance. In verse 16, it says, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. All right, fellas. King Nebuchadnezzar had furious rage. 
And now these three say to him, we have no need to answer you. (laughs) We don't have to answer your questions. They did not feel the need to explain themselves to the king. Some of you feel that you always have to explain things. You have to give your reason for why you did or did not do something. You have to go to social media to get everyone's opinion on what you should do or what you shouldn't do. I mean, the minute you open up to people's opinions, it's all over the place, right? But we just need to go to God's word and say, God, what should I do? These young men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, did not need advice from anyone. They did not need to seek what other people thought. They had one plan and one plan only, and that plan was to be obedient to God. And they were going to obey God no matter what the cost. They refused to have any other gods before their God. We need men that are committed to that before the situation even comes. Because if we have not made a commitment, the minute we see the fire, the minute we see the flames, we are going to give in. You see, they were committed to this before the flames of the fire even began to burn. They made their decision to be faithful and true to God, and nothing was going to change that. It is highly likely that other Israelites chose to bow down and worship the image. Why do we say that? Because there were a lot of Israelites in captivity, and all we know of was these three individuals, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who refused to bow down. That meant that They were standing alone, but standing together. They could have compromised their beliefs, guys, and no one would have known the difference. No one would have said, oh, could you believe Shadrach and Meshach and Abednego that they kneeled down? No, nobody could have said that because they were all doing the same thing. However, they had already purposed in their hearts that they would not worship any other gods, no matter what the consequences were. We like to have our options when it comes to living our lives, right? We like options when it comes to what we're going to eat. We like options when it comes to what we're going to wear. We like options when it comes to what we're going to drive. But sometimes options can take us away from what we should do in a situation. These young men made no room for any options. There was only one choice and one choice only, and that was to be faithful to their God no matter what the circumstances. Going along with everyone else was never an option. Sinning and then asking forgiveness later was never an option. You like how fellas do that? There are people out there, some of you are listening to this, and you just do what you want to do knowing that you can ask forgiveness later. We try to justify our choice, right? They were not justifying worshiping other gods because it was never an option. If you are committed to staying true to God, Satan will do his best to make you compromise. Standing together, though, helps us, helps you get back on track when we waver in our commitment. When there are other men beside you that can say, get back here. Get back in alignment with God. Get back where you need to be. Stand for him. Standing together gives us encouragement when we feel like giving up. 
We must obey men. We must obey God at all cost. He says in John 14, 15, if you love me, you will keep my commandments. Our actions must align with our words. Future generations are watching. The next thing we want to look at when it comes to standing together, standing together strengthens our faith to trust God in spite of what we see. Standing together strengthens our faith to trust God in spite of what we see. Our God is bigger than the fires that we are facing in our lives. Men, do you believe that to be true? That God is bigger than your circumstances? I would say there are many times in our lives where we fail to remember that. It is something easy that we can forget when the fires grow greater, right? The hotter the fire, the larger the flames, the more we can forget that. And that is why we need to stand together with other men. We need to stand together with our family. We need to stand together with our church. Sometimes I need to remind men of this. These three young men have faith in God's ability to deliver them, and they are strengthened as they stand together. I mean, how great is it, men, when you have the opportunity for someone to remind you of a time in life when God provided, when God delivered at the minute you're going through challenges? In chapter 3 of Daniel, verse 17, it says, If this be so, our God we serve is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. I love this because... I believe this is like spiritual trash talking, right? Now, that's all truth. I mean, right? If you can back up your talk, you know, there are people that talk, they can't back it up. But when you can back up your talk, it's pretty impressive. And here, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are saying, you know what? You can throw us in the fire. You're right. You have the ability. You have the right to do that. You have the authority to do that. But we want you to know this, King, that our God, Yahweh, the God that we serve, not the gods you serve, the God we serve, is able to deliver us from the burning, fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand. You think you're all that, King? Just wait. What they are saying is this. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego knew this important truth. So so listen up, men, because this is an important truth for us. God is able. Now, some of you, the old song, he's able, he's able, I know he's able. Uh, Remember that from when you were a little kid. If you were my age, if you're younger, then you probably don't remember that song. But God is able, and we shouldn't forget that. They were facing death by a fiery furnace, with confidence that God would deliver them from it, that he had the ability to deliver them from it. There was nothing the king could do that was greater than what their God could do. God was able. I want you to take a moment, men, and just let that truth sink in. God is able to deliver you from the fiercest fires that are burning in your life. God is able. I want you to claim that. I think too many times we read the word and we fail to claim it. 
And so right now, if you are in the middle of the fire, claim that, that God can deliver you. If you're at the end and you've come out of the flames, celebrate that God delivered you. If you're just heading into that, don't lose sight that God is able. Claim it as you begin to go through the challenge. And men, we need to let other men know every day that God is able. Guys, here's where we get confused. Just because God is able doesn't mean he will. Did you hear that? Just because God is able doesn't mean that he will. God is able to heal you from any medical condition, but it doesn't mean that he always will. God is able to mend any broken relationship, but it doesn't mean he always will. God is able to provide you the money you need and right when you need it, but it doesn't mean he always will. God is able to provide you a job when you need it. And guys, we celebrate that when he does those things because God is able to even give you endurance when you feel like quitting. We've all been there before. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Men, that's my God. If you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, if you have confessed with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe that God raised him from the dead, that is also your God. How often in the midst of the fire are you able to look beyond the fire? You see, sometimes in the midst of the trials and tribulations, in the midst of the fiery furnace, all we can do is see the flames. All we can do is see the difficulties and we fail to realize that God is in control. God looks down from heaven and he sees the whole picture. He sees everything that's going on and he knows where it's going to go. In the midst of the fire, it is difficult to see anything but the flames. Sometimes the fire overwhelms us. and Sometimes we even feel defeated. That is why we need to stand together, men, in the midst of the fire. Don't get caught alone in the fiery furnace, but bring other men alongside you. And let me tell you this, there will be men that do not ask for people to come alongside them. If you see those men, then you come alongside them, whether they want it or not, and be there for them. If you are in the fire and you're alone, call out on those people. The third thing we see when it comes to standing together is this. Standing together helps us trust God for the outcome. Standing together helps us trust God for the outcome. Too often we kick into managing the fire mode, right? We want to keep it contained. We work hard to avoid the fire, even when perhaps God wants us to walk through the fire. In verse 18 of Daniel chapter 3, it says, But if not, if God doesn't deliver us, right? He can, he's able, but if not, he can heal me. But if not, he can get me a job. But if not, but if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. 
Guys, this is a statement. What they are saying is we are going to do the right thing, the God-honoring thing. We are going to stand up for what is right, according to the word, according to God. We are going to do that no matter the consequences. Even if God does not deliver us, even if, worst case scenario, we die because of this stand, it doesn't change what we're going to do. Men, how do we respond when things do not go the way we want it to go? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are willing to take whatever comes their way. They are unwilling to compromise their faith to save their lives. They are willing to do what is right while trusting God for the results. Men, are you willing to do what is right and leave the outcome to God? In verse 19 of chapter 3 of Daniel, it says, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury, right? He's got rage, and now, man, the cap has blown. The cap has blown off the top of the head, and he is steaming. And it says the expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. So what it's saying is this. With normal heat, people died. Nobody lived. And he is going to increase it seven times. I mean, this conflict just went up. He is furious with them. He went from trying to give them a second chance to wanting to destroy them. He wanted them to make it so hot so that they would walk into that furnace and then just be disintegrated, right? He orders that to be turned up seven times the usual amount. I mean, the heat of the furnace would have just like disintegrated everything. I mean, he gets his mightiest men to take Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the furnace, and these men die. I mean, they can't even get up to the furnace. It's so hot and they're dying. And Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are thrown into this furnace. Now, remember this, they're dressed. They've got clothes on. And when you think about that, clothes go pretty easy in fire, especially when it's seven times the normal amount. In verse 32 of chapter three, it says, or verse 22, it says, because the king's order was urgent and the furnace overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And that's what I had just said, that these guys die. And yet Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they just walk right into the furnace. I mean, they could have turned around because the people that put them in there, they're dying. But what they knew is this, God was able and men, sometimes God has to walk you into the fire to show himself, to show his power, to show his authority over all things. And in verses 24 to 25, it says this, Then King Nebuchadnezzar was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered and said to the king, true, O king. I mean, the king is like rubbing his eyes and he's like, what in the world is happening? Verse 25, he says, and he answered and said, but I see four men unbound walking in the midst of the fire and they are not hurt. 
and the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. I mean, guys, I just like, that's the give you the chills moment, right? These men are in a fiery furnace that the people that put them there died. And they are walking around, walking around in the fire and they are not hurt. They're not in pain. They're not suffering. And there's a fourth person in with them. And he looks like a son of the gods. The king sees them walking around in the midst of the fire. And how amazing that must have been for the people that were watching, right? But this one, this fourth one, he stands out from the others. There's something different about him. And guys, here's a powerful truth that I want to share with you. And here's the powerful truth. God reveals his power in many places but you will know his presence best when you are in the fire. I will be the first to tell you that I don't like to go through the fire. I, I don't like, I mean, these past couple of years have been like life in the fire with craziness, right? Uh, leaving the job I was at and just stuff that has gone on, even after I've left that position and decisions that have been made back at that church, uh, it's just when I watch it, it's like living in the fire. But what I know is this, is that it's in the fire that even when we are doubting, even when we are questioning what God is doing, it's in the fire that he shows us and that it's in the fire that we best know his presence. In verse 27 of Daniel 3, it says this, the hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed. And no smell of fire had come upon them. Then God does the impossible. So I've got to like admit something here. This is like self-divulging, right? So I am known. I've got some good hair on my arms. And I am known to singe hair when I cook out, especially when we're having big cookouts, right? And you've got the grill full of hamburgers and the grease and the flames. And uh, I have been known to singe a good portion of arm hair before. And what I know is this. When you singe arm hair, it stinks. I mean, that smell of burnt hair is horrible and it lasts for a while even if you wash and use soap, it still smells. Some of you guys know exactly what I'm talking about. And so whether it was at my grill or in my fire pit in my backyard, which I would always have massive bonfires in my backyard, or even sometimes candles that I wasn't paying attention and a candle would get me, that arm hair, when it got burnt, it stunk. And the Bible tells us that all of these things that are normal, their hair is not singed. It would be normal for their hair to be singed. Their clothes are not harmed. It would be normal for their clothes to be harmed. They didn't smell like fire. I always tease my wife because she doesn't like to sit around the fire a lot. Because, you know, once you sit around a campfire out in your backyard or wherever it is, you smell like a campfire for a while. Your clothes smell like a campfire. She doesn't dig that. I love it. And... What they're saying here in God's word is that all of these things that are normal didn't happen. 
Guys, that is called a God thing. God is doing his thing in ways that no one else can. But standing together helped Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trust God for the outcome. And men standing together will help us trust God for the outcome. The final thing I want to share when it comes to standing together is that standing together draws others to glorify God no matter what the outcome. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego die. It would have brought honor to God. Somehow God would have worked it. In this case, they lived and God showed his power. But God's glory is not dependent on the outcome of our time in the fire. All we can do is respond in a manner that glorifies him while we are in the fire. The outcome is up to God. Remember this, guys. When an event takes place, you can't do anything to change that event. And you can't determine the outcome of that. But what you can do is determine your response to the situation. You see, God is able to bring glory to himself no matter what the outcome. In verse 28, Nebuchadnezzar answered and said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any God except their own God. I mean, we started out this day with the revealing of a 90 foot by nine statue of King Nebuchadnezzar. The people were called to worship this God, this image. And we end the day with this pagan king calling people to worship Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's God rather than their own gods. I mean, right? God has shown himself to be powerful and above all these things. The king saw their loyalty and their commitment. He recognizes their God as a result for how they have handled the fire. They were willing to lay it all down for God, no matter what the consequences. Verse 29 says, therefore, I make a decree. Any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb and their house laid in ruins, for there is no other God who is able to rescue in this way. I am guessing that some of the leadership under King Nebuchadnezzar were not very happy about this. But all of a sudden he goes from, listen, if you don't worship the image, you're going to be thrown in the fiery furnace. Now, if you don't worship their God, if you speak anything against their God, you are going to be torn limb from limb and your house laid in ruins. Those are some pretty harsh consequences for speaking against God. The king acknowledges that there is no other God like the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Men, I want to give you some simple steps on how you can apply these lessons in your life. So I'm going to give you five steps that you can do to accomplish this in your own life when it comes to standing together. And the first thing is this. The first thing is identify the fires in your life. 
Because when you identify the fires in your life, you know the situations where you need men around you to encourage you, to help you stay the course. You know, men, if that, if that fire is your marriage and you're struggling in your marriage, then bring some men around you that have good marriages that can help you with that. If you're having problem with parenting your children and that's one of the fires in your life, then bring some older dudes around you that have been really good dads and let them help you walk through the fire. So number one, we identify the fire in your life. The second thing we do is obey God at any cost. Guys, purpose yourself. Make that commitment that you are going to obey God no matter what the consequences. And then thirdly, we're going to trust God for deliverance. Our deliverance is not based on what we can or cannot do. Our deliverance is based on God. And God is going to deliver us according to his will for our lives. He's going to deliver us in a way that brings him the greatest glory. And then fourthly, never forget that God is able. No matter what situation you are facing in life, no matter how great the fiery furnace is, God is able. Men, this is easy to forget because what happens is we fail to look back and remember all the amazing things God has done. We even fail to look back into the Bible and think that, okay, God parted the Red Sea. Pretty amazing, right? If a God can do that, then he can handle my problems pretty good. Never forget that God is able. And then fifthly, give God the glory no matter what the outcome. Whether you succeed through those trials, whether you fail through those trials, whatever it is, give God the glory no matter what the outcome. Remember, men, no one said that it would be easy. But together, we can take a stand for God. Why try to do it all on your own? You need to let men come around you to support you in your stand. And you need to be there for others that God calls to take a stand. Men, I know this. We need each other. You don't have to do this all by yourself. God never intended for you to do this all by yourself. He placed men in your lives and you in the lives of other men so that you could stand together. God desires men who are willing to take a stand, men who are willing to stand out, men who are willing to stand up, men who will stand firm and men who will stand courageously. And we are able to do this as we stand together. It's time, men. It's time to take a stand. It's time to man up. <laughs>